one of the challenges that comes with any hyper growth is uh, the the opportunities is everywhere and you're growing as fast as possible. But at the same time, you never have enough people to execute to capture all those opportunities. So no matter how fast you are, still still you need more teams to 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 execute and capture as much opportunity as possible. And uh, I think one of the highlights for me experiencing this hyper growth was prioritizing the multipliers, like the things that would contribute way more than other type of tasks. And a good example is hiring. So, Farbot, thank you very much for uh, being with me today. Uh, I'm really happy that we get to do this. Uh, we've been postponing it for a few times uh, <laughs> because you, well, you both and I, we, have very, we keep very busy schedules. Uh, but I'm very happy that you finally were able to do it. Um, so let's yeah. start by you telling us a little bit about yourself. Where did your journey in tech start? Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It's always to see you again. We didn't mention, but we are friends, ex-colleague slash neighbor. So we are recording this session from the unit above each other. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I studied my bachelor in hardware engineering. And next to that, I used to do some hardware engineering work as well. Uh, over time, I noticed my passion is more around the software industry. And there were different reasons for it because of the faster result, faster iteration loops and so forth. So I decided to switch into software. So I studied my master in information science, which was a mix of business and software engineering. And right after that, I started my career as a software developer. I used to be a Java developer. I did some backend. I did a bit of frontend. Uh, and at some point, I started growing passion for uh, product management. And I decided to make a career switch to become a PM. Nice. And that, that's like you jack of all trades. So hardware, <laughs> software, and uh, product management. Yeah. And also, you studied a little bit of, of business uh, at school. Um, that that that's really awesome. I I, I really love people who have a, like a really diverse background because they they just come in with a lot of richness, you know, to their careers, and they don't stick to a small box. Yeah, and that's I think also part of the the product management career that you need to have certain knowledge about different fields that would contribute to product management. Mm -hmm. So a bit of background in software helps. A bit of background in design helps for sure background in business help. So we have different type of, we have PMs with different type of backgrounds and a lot of background that can somehow contribute to, to being a better product manager at work. So besides the backgrounds and the variety of interests uh, and expertise, what drove you towards product management? Like was this a passion of yours that you'd like to do or were there many different forces at play throughout your career that pushed you in that direction? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So I think it really happened naturally because I tend to do a lot of side projects ne next to work. And uh, I, during the time that I was software developer, I found myself uh, that doing software, doing basically side projects with friends outside work. And within those, I found myself doing playing as a product manager roles. So during the day at work, I was a software developer. But within those side projects, I was the one who was doing user research, generating 
insights, crafting a strategy, crafting visions, and also helping the team to execute on those visions. Uh, there was a moment that I thought, okay, I enjoy software development, but it feels like I'm enjoying this more, so why not doing it during the day as well? Nice. And it was a quite hard switch to make. I can talk about the background and I can tell why it's hard to break into product management, uh, but eventually it happened. So uh, I had to create the opportunity for myself to make it happen because normally it naturally doesn't happen. Mm. And um, I'm glad that I did that and I'm glad that it happened because uh, I think this is something that I truly enjoy. Interesting. So you sort of naturally pivoted towards product management, uh, but we did not really define what product management is. So can we do that? And, and can you explain to me what, what product management means to you? Yeah, so that's also a good question and a hard question uh, because that also really depends on company, really depends on a role. But uh, if I have to summarize it, I would say product management is about uh, crafting vision for the product, crafting a strategy, which is basically tells how to achieve that vision, and also uh, basically helping with the execution to ensure that the, the strategy is executed and the desired value has been achieved, which is normally is a, a business value. Hmm. That is a very high level definition of what product management is. But of course, within each of the category that I talked about, there's a wide range of uh, skills that come into play, like generating insight, prioritization, creating roadmap, et cetera, et cetera. Interesting. So this feels more of a like an overarching role that covers a lot of ground and it even touches stuff in engineering, even though it doesn't really dictate how a product should be built. But you know, there's a lot of opinion probably on that front. So can you explain to me how does a product manager's day look like? Like, how would you interact with these different stakeholders internally and, and who, who want to con contribute to the product vision? Yeah, so uh, today I'm going to use this sentence a lot that this is a hard question. And, and that's simply because the, the differences of what product management means in different companies and also different type of roles and different type of uh, grades within product management. So in, in a lot of organization, product management is uh, pretty operational. So you have one side of the extreme where product manager might not be necessarily involved in, in crafting the strategy and the strategy and vision is coming top down. And my observation is sometimes they call those roles product owner. Again, mm. uh, these are not uh, rules that applies to all the companies, but these are personal uh, observations that I have. So uh, the, the product owners are the ones who are responsible for, for uh, prioritization, cre basically creation of the, the, the work uh, and prioritization of the work in collaboration with the engineering counterparts and ensuring that the vision is getting executed. Uh, but they might not necessarily be involved or at least heavily involved in defining the vision. That's one side of the extreme. You have another side, and that setup is mostly where I've seen it is in big corporates, especially traditional corporates who wants to become techs, like banks, like insurance companies, healthcare. And on the other side, you have high-tech companies, and in those, uh, they have mostly product management roles. You don't hear... Uh, product owner roles, at least in terms of titles. 
And uh, in those companies, it goes to an extreme level that uh, PM is only responsible for crafting the vision and a strategy and maybe generating insight and of course research, uh, but they are quite detached from the execution. So the technical team is taking the lead on uh, creating the roadmap, prioritization of roadmap, and of mm. course in consultation with the PM, and PM is not even involved in the day-to-day -day activities of the team. And you also have the middle, where <laughs> uh, there are companies that you are involved in both, both execution, but also crafting the strategy and vision. And now what I talked about was mainly about product management, but of course product management you can talk about product managers, you can talk about pro group product managers and product leads, and then you can talk about uh, basically uh, product directors or VP of products. Mm. And also the, um, the activities that these uh, people do during the day are quite different from each other. If you would like, I can talk about the difference, uh, but they are definitely different. Let's stick to uh, the product management function. Uh, and, and of course there are higher roles, uh, I'm not sure how they, what type of responsibilities they might have. We can discuss this in a little bit, but from from a from a day to day, so you you discuss the spectrum, right? So there's the what, there's one end where product managers are more like product owners. They don't really affect or manage or lead on the vision. They just take on a small chunk of work and they just operationally attempt to execute it or prioritize the work for it. And there's on the other end. Uh, 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 the product or managers who who are uh, heavily influenced the vision and and the implementation. So where do you personally fall uh, onto the spectrum, and which which aspects of the work do you enjoy, or do you enjoy the the area where you are on that spectrum? Yes. So right now I am a product lead, which is a bit different than than a product manager uh, management role, like product manager role. Uh, product manager, as I said, is mostly a IC role, where you uh, fall in one place of this spectrum that I mentioned. And then just to clarify, sorry, uh, for those who don't know, IC is individual contributor, so it's not a people manager, basically. Yes, thanks for pointing out. Yes, indeed. So as a product manager, you're mostly individual contributor. You don't have management responsibilities and you are accountable for the success of your product. And there is... a um, after uh, being an IC individual contributor uh, within the carrier, you, you, there are two paths. You can either become uh, more sort of a senior IC and then principal, uh, for instance, uh, product manager. You would still do the same uh, type of work, but uh, at a more senior level, or you would go into the more product leadership track. And there is a very interesting role, which is called group product manager or product lead. And... Uh, that is actually what I'm doing right now, is you're leading a group of products. And typically in different companies, you're managing uh, a group of product managers, typically maybe less than five uh, PMs. And the interesting part is that you are not only managing other PMs, but you also have your own team. So mm -hmm. it's a mix of IC and leadership. And that's why it's not recommended to have, let's say, more than three direct reports because you also have some IC responsibilities and, and in some cases you have your own team uh, and so forth. And the group, uh, the group of uh, PMs that you're leading normally contribute to, to the same product area. So they are highly related with each other. 
And after group PM or product lead, you go into the director track or VP uh, and so forth, which is purely leadership. And your success is just measured through the success of your direct reports. Awesome. So back to your question, what I enjoy the most, I think I enjoy both leadership and IC work the most. Uh, and uh, again, depending on the company, it can go in any direction, but I myself, I enjoy definitely crafting a strategy and also vision. So I prefer not to work in a context where the, the strategy and vision is coming top down because uh, at the end of the day, you're accountable for the success or failure of the product. And if the vision is not in your control, you don't have much control over the success or the failure of the product. 100%. You want to be accountable and yeah, definitely. Uh, we're going to touch a little bit more about this, this type of dynamic uh, in a follow-up question that I have. Uh, but first I want to understand, so is product management a function strictly found in companies building products or do you feel like there are other industries or types of companies that also have uh, product management as part of them? And I think you brushed upon that in your, in your spectrum definition, but uh, can you give me like a, a little bit of a... Yeah, sure. I think normally the, the product management roles are within product organizations, but there are some exceptions as well. So I've seen like consultancy companies having product management role. In fact, I have experience working as a PM in a consulting companies. And that, uh, in that context, what I've seen is the PMs from consultancy company, they normally play two roles. Uh, in, in within their clients. Sometimes they act as a product consultant when you go to your client and you help them with crafting the vision, crafting the strategy and trying to, in general, increase the awareness about product management and helping them to have better product processes in place and so forth. So that's more of a product consultancy. There's another setup where these uh, consultancy companies send their product managers to clients to act as interim product management uh, managers for certain period uh, at those clients. And that normally happens for different reasons. For instance, one reason can be because the company has difficulty to find a suitable uh, product manager uh, candidate for uh, the product area that they have. They reach out to these companies, they get PMs who are uh, competent in those areas for a certain amount of period until that company managed to hire uh, basically suitable permanent candidate because for certain type of product, you don't also want to rush it to just hire any product management because certain type of uh, product requires, for instance, deep knowledge uh, in that domain or uh, a good example is, let's say you want to build a, a developer product as an example. In those cases, uh, for some companies prefer to have PMs with a software development background because mm -hmm. learning curve, basically it's going to be easier to get onboarded on a product and, and everything. So sometimes it might be hard to easily find those technical PMs. Therefore, they try to uh, hire either freelancers or from consultants company until they find a suitable candidate. All right, that's, that's really great. Thank you very much for uh, these insights. Um, I want to change the discussion a little bit and I want to cover 
the relationship of product management and engineering, right? Obviously, this channel focuses a lot on the engineering aspects of the, of work, and I'm trying to give as much perspective about engineering in, in different companies, different sizes. And uh, I want to talk a bit about that relationship. So is, it, is, it, is the relationship collaborative, which is probably the shallowest form? So product managers, they collaborate with engineers. There's really no hierarchy involved. Uh, or is it more of a tighter symbiotic uh, relationship? And by that, I mean, they have tighter bonds, they, they coordinate on, on a much deeper level. Maybe they are even part of the same team, uh, right? So you have a product manager part of the, the small, what we call the pizza team, uh, composed of like six, seven or eight people. That includes engineers, product owners, product managers, project management, even engineering managers. Or is it more of hierarchical in the sense that product managers dictate the vision and the engineers simply just figure out the technical stuff that is related, that are related to the implementation. Yes. What's your perspective I, on this? I hope not in that sense, the hierarchical, but yeah, I know in some companies that might happen, but mostly it's not hierarchical, at least in most of the organizations that I've seen. So in my opinion, any type of team setup where engineers have to report to PM, that's the wrong setup. And uh, back to your question in terms of collaboration, yes, I think there's a very deep collaboration uh, between engineers and PMs uh, in order to realize the success of a product. But how the setting of a team is, that really also depends on the company. I'm a still big fan of like what you said, that there's small cross-functional teams. So they should be, I think, always together, uh, PMs and engineers within one team but how often they interact or is it day-to-day -day interact between all the engineers and the PM or for instance, in certain setup or actually in my opinion, in the correct setup, most of the deep collaboration happens between the um, team lead or tech lead and the PM. Uh, and of course, there's also a collaboration between engineers and the PM, but most of the groundwork sometimes or preparation will be done between these two to not take the time of the whole team. Uh, but at the same time, they also collaborate, PMs should collaborate with engineers because it's good to get everyone's insight, gets everyone's knowledge. So hmm. uh, I think without the right collaboration between PM and engineers, it's very hard to achieve the success of product. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, I wanna dive a little bit deeper into the pro the team composition because I've seen different different ways of composing a certain team, right? Uh, I've seen the teams where we have silos, so there's engineering and even in engineering, there's front end, there's back end, there's platform engineering, there's what we call DevOps, which is probably system administrators, wrong, wrong naming here. And then we have product managers who are also their own separate team, and then they only interact whenever there's a need for it. So that's one extreme. And on the other extreme, there's the cross-functional teams. Can you share with me your experience? Have you worked in these different types? And why is the cross-functional team more superior? And I say this, I'm biased because I belong to some one of these cross-functional teams and I think they perform better, but why do you think they perform better than the, than the other form? I think uh, the the more you split the teams, the more coordination you would require. Like if you would start breaking the team into front end and back end, then you need to manage sort of dependencies between once the back end is ready, now the front end can start. And in general, I think the team dynamic is going to change. While if it's a small team, they are all working on the same feature on the 
uh, at the same time and, and the collaboration is quite closer. Having said that, I think there are still certain type of teams that you would have just one type of engineers and, and there is no, nothing wrong with it and actually that's the only option. For instance, if you are building a REST API as a product, then you just have maybe only Java developers and in that case, that makes sense. But I think very, very possible to have cross-functional teams, I think that's the way to go and that's going to be more effective simply because of what I mentioned, the dependency management, the handover, and also the delays between the, the chunk of work that will be done by, by one team and passed to another. That's awesome. how I see this. That's perfect. So we talked about the product management role, we talked about where the product management role fits, we talked about the collaboration between product managers and the different members of the other teams that compose a certain company. I want to talk a little bit now about product management vis-a-vis -vis leadership, right? So is product management more of a consulting advisory function? Uh, for example, in companies where the founders are heavily involved in the product vision, right? So we were all hailing uh, Steve Jobs for being deeply involved in, in how he, he, he builds products and whatnot. So how do you see the dynamic like in companies operating like that? Um, and do you feel like product management is, should be more of an independent unit that is actually in charge of directing the product's uh, future and vision? Yes. Yeah, I also have seen both. And I think the way I see it, you have, uh, there are places that you have the top-down vision uh, or strategy coming uh, basically from the leadership to, to PMs. And uh, the two flavors are either the company is too small and the founders are still heavily involved in the product, or the the company is just too big and there's certain type of corporate atmosphere where, where the plannings are top-down, the vision is top-down, the budgeting is top-down, and everything is sort of top-down. And I think the the first type is, is still effective, I would say, because the, the founders are still heavily involved in the product, and they are still on, they are still not as far from the product to understand the user needs. They are still involved in understanding the insights, and they might be even as involved as the PMs. So they are sort of playing peers uh, in a smaller startup. So the founders and PMs are peers in terms of product strategy and vision. And I think that's absolutely fine. But the other category that I talked about, uh, which is more of a top-down planning, top-down budgeting, and top-down uh, vision. It's, I have to say, it's difficult to change that because of the certain setting in a company. So I'm not saying that uh, it should change in all the companies. Maybe that's the best thing that would work within their current setup. Uh, but I think it's pretty difficult to be in that position as a PM, as I mentioned before, because if you don't have much control over the vision and the strategy, even if you have the best execution with your team, still there is a chance of failure and you can't just do anything about it. Uh, so back to your original question, I don't think product management is sort of a console, consulting role, uh, but we do have those top-down situation in the context that I mentioned. And of course, in the middle, you have the, the regular product management, at least in my world, where the PMs is accountable for the vision, the strategy and execution and everything. Did your background in engineering help you as a product manager or do you feel like it hampered you from being more effective? Is ignorance a bliss in this case? And I ask this because like 
if you want to implement something or if you have an idea about a certain product feature and then someone comes in and says, you know, no, that's not feasible, but you are an engineer, right? So you can just go and look at the code base and <laughs> figure out for yourself if it's actually feasible or not. So yes. what, what's your, what's your experience with that? So there are a lot of, uh, basically there are pros and cons, like as with any knowledge, but I would say there are a lot of pros to having engineering background as a PM, not necessarily only engineering. If you're also a designer and you become a PM, still you also have certain edge and advantage compared to other PMs because you might have more knowledge about uh, how to generate insight, user centricity, and so forth. Same for engineering, that the benefit is you speak the language of engineers, you understand the technical trade-offs that they make, uh, the team makes, and you understand the importance of topics like uh, resolving technical debt and so forth. The engineers don't have to convince you all the time why this is important to do and why not to postpone it. So I think those are all benefits of having engineering background. And uh, the, the only cons is like what you touched upon that in certain cases, especially maybe early on, uh, once you just become a PM, uh, fresh out of engineering, you might have certain bias about certain estimation or, or uh, certain ideas that the engineers have. But I think you should be very uh, conscious of the fact that at the end of the day, you are not as involved as them into the technical details. So you might have this shallow view of why something could be done faster than what they estimate or why technical roadmap is so conservative. Uh, but at the end of the day, that might be because of the biases you have because you are not deeply involved in the technical on a day-to-day -day basis because you are no longer into the code base on a daily basis. And also people have different skill set and, and different backgrounds. So I think as far as you're uh, careful about that and you're aware of that, I think the rest is just advantage. And especially for certain type of product, it's definitely an advantage having a engineering background. If you're working on more technical products, for instance, if you're building developer tools as a product, now you're working at GitHub, uh, that, that's a good example. I think there are certain uh, benefits for having PMs with engineering background hired at GitHub or GitLab or Docker or many other uh, elastic, many many other basically engineering focused products. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So these are some of the benefits. Makes sense. Thank you for that. Uh, currently, you work as the product lead at Miro. Uh, can you tell us more about what Miro is and what does this company do? Yeah, sure. So uh, Miro is a visual collaboration tool, which basically enables you to collaborate with your teammates on an unlimited canvas. So to put it in another way, it's like a physical whiteboard that you have back in the days when we used to go to office, uh, where you would just quickly go to the whiteboard and, and do some activities together with a physical sticky notes or a marker. Now this is just on a digital canvas with an unlimited canvas with a lot more rich features which you don't get in a physical world, like collaborative features, like we have timer on a board, we have voting features on a board, we have templates on a board. For instance, you can just pull up a retro template or a, a, a Kanban template or, or workshops. You can run, for instance, design a screen just open the template and it's ready for the people to start to do their workshop. 
So I wouldn't say it's a tool to be used only in a remote context. I can't imagine how to work without Miro now, even in a physical context, even if you are sitting in the same room, we are still longer to go to the whiteboard, you just do it uh, on a Miro, unless we have to maybe draw something quickly or whatever, then we might use whiteboard, but otherwise I, I still think this is one of those things that once you start using it, you can't go back to not using like virtual collaboration tools. Makes sense. And you just mentioned that uh, you don't want to think of Miro as the tool to be used in a remote context, but you also like use it on a, on a even if there's physical proximity. Uh, yeah. But nevertheless, the reality is that with with the pandemic that has happened and this huge, massive uh, uh, transition towards remote work, you have grown from three to twenty million users, mm -hmm. and from three to three hundred to nine hundred employees in just fifteen months during this pandemic. So how does a company handle this massive growth in such a short period of time? And what's the relationship between product and engineering in this case? Because obviously engineering would be much more focused on uh, uh, platform stability, uh, you know, making sure that everything functions as it should be. What would be the priorities of product managers in this case? And how would you navigate the dynamic between product management and engineering to make sure everyone stays afloat, right, with this scale? Yeah, sure. So back to your first question, uh, I think you asked what were the challenges during this growth? Um, I think one of the challenges that comes with any hyper growth is uh, the, the opportunities is everywhere and you're growing as fast as possible. But at the same time, you never have enough people to execute to capture all those opportunities. So no matter how fast you are, it's still still you need more teams to, to, to execute and capture as much opportunity as possible. And uh, I think one of the highlights for me experiencing this hyper growth was prioritizing the multipliers, like the things that would contribute way more than other type of tasks. And a good example is hiring. I, I call multiplier is hiring because if you invest time in hiring, you just get a uh, way higher return, especially in hyper growth, because there are more people to help you out. Otherwise, otherwise you're going to be flooded with, with a lot of work to, to execute on, uh, on your goals. So um, therefore, the, for the first time in my career, there was a moment where I was spending 50% of my time on crafting job description, hiring, onboarding, coaching, uh, and 50% of the time into actual focus work. And I think uh, that was a balance which I never experienced before and it was quite challenging because at the same time that you have to execute during this hyper growth, you have to also do a lot of hiring. So maybe that's the, the, the most challenging part, which, which, I, uh, <laughs> uh, which is a still recognizable for me when I look back. And the other part is, of course, the processes and every, everything around it, how you scale your processes and so forth. And back to your second question about the collaboration between engineering and PM, uh, I would say nothing actually changed during this hyper growth between the, the, the culture and also the collaboration between the engineering and PM. And I think uh, you had a very good example, actually. You told at the same time you have a stability issues and everything that you have to work on, and you have to also uh, deliver product features. And I think maybe the trick for us was uh, we have started having dedicated product stream for scalability and reliability once the hyper growth happened. 
So in that sense, there, we know there are product teams that their responsibility is just a stability of the product. And therefore, the other teams can uh, invest most of their time into uh, basically delivering the, the features that would have direct user value. And of course, performance has also direct user value, but it's just a different uh, type of uh, user value, performance as a user value. That, that's a very yeah. nice, interesting point. Sorry to stop here because I want to emphasize sure. this a little bit more. So you created a, a product stream focused only on scalability and engineering challenges. Like what would like the outcome or output of the product managers working on that team look like? Because obviously, what are they going to create? Like, what type of artifacts do they generate? Do they have to advise on uh, scalability? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. That's a good question. So there are two things. When I'm saying that there is a team dedicated to a scalability and reliability, it doesn't mean that other teams should not care about scalability and reliability. That's that's the responsibility of all the teams and still all the engineers have to put certain effort in place to make sure that we are creating a performance solution. But at the same time, there are certain parts of the products, let's say for instance, the engine of the product. Let's make an artificial example. Imagine you're working on a product that's uh, supposed to calculate the, the price of something. And at the core of it, you have the, the, the pricing engine, right? So in that example, the the this product stream that I talked about, which is responsible for reliability and scalability of the solution, is ensuring that the engine is working as effective as possible, either through migration, either through optimizing certain things, or in general, their mere focus is just ensuring that the engine is running as fast as possible. So they are mostly working on bigger optimization initiatives and bigger scalability initiatives and not necessarily the small ones because those are still being tackled by teams. I understand. And and what would like be the day-to-day -day of a product manager working in that team look like? Because they're not really that technical to be involved, you know, in the architectural discussions. Yes. Uh, That's a good question. So, yes. So the we have engineering leads for having the hat of PM in those teams. So we, we we don't have maybe necessarily a PMs or maybe we have, I, I still need to check because we grew very fast. Maybe my knowledge is not updated as before, but my perspective is either they are uh, basically uh, engineers who wanted to wear the hat of PMs or they are PMs which are highly technical. So in those contexts, yeah, it's either one of these two. Interesting, okay, cool. Um, you created a, something called the product alignment framework. Uh, I'm not sure if you created this while you were working at Miro, but I knew that this grew in popularity and and it uh, became uh, quite well known. So can you tell us a little bit more about what this framework is and how do you use it? Yeah, sure. So uh, I can talk about the history, how, how it has been created. So when I joined Miro, uh, we, we were just at the beginning of the hyper growth and we also had the product reviews in place. And for the audience who might not know what product review is, product reviews is normally a panel that uh, companies have to present certain product decision or product discovery outcome. 
And depending on a company, there are different formats, how companies go about it and what type of audiences are there. So we had this at Miro as well. Uh, the only thing was it was not very structured and uh, the, every team would present in any format they want. They would touch upon the topics that they would prefer, which actually had certain benefits as well, those flexibility. Uh, but what I have observed was there was certain type of question that would keep coming back during every product review, which the PM would not necessarily, uh, maybe for some reason they missed, they didn't include it uh, in their product uh, discovery. So I noticed there's a opportunity for sort of standardizing the process uh, in a sense that having a template which would guide product teams on how to do discoveries and uh, how to document the result of the discoveries and how to present it. There would be a bunch of section and guiding question that PMs and the team would go through and they would feel along the way. This would help them to not miss any, uh, basically any important aspect that we would care about at Miro when it comes to product discovery. And uh, at the same time, it would give a, give a better structure into the product reviews. And uh, soon it, uh, started first I, I basically created a template and then we started thinking how we can change the product reviews to accommodate uh, for this new template and organically just, we started rolling this off first within the product stream that I'm currently working on and uh, just surprising that it organically grew across the mirror and at some point when I started pitching this to, to the whole product guild at Miro, I noticed that most of the team already knew it and they were using it. So <laughs> nice. uh, that was interesting. We can talk about the template and the framework in details if you're interested. Let me see if I can maybe quickly share my screen and walk you through mm -hmm. the framework. That'd be great. I just quickly skim through it and feel free to stop me at any moment you have questions. So the, the framework has two main components. One is product alignment document. And uh, there is the second element, which is product alignment meeting, where the, the basically the result of this product alignment document is going to be discussed and challenged by peers uh, in a sort of a panel setting. So within the product alignment document, there are three important sections. One is opportunity problem framing, which is about the problem that the team is going to solve or the opportunity that the team is going to capture. Once that is done, they bring the outcome, uh, outcome of this to the product alignment meeting to receive feedback and get challenged. And uh, once that is done, then they move to solution framing, which is about uh, solution discovery and also go to market strategy. And after that, uh, once the review is done and they receive feedback, they move to execution, to building the solution. And once that is built, uh, they go to the post-launch recap phase, which is reflecting on how the launch went and how were we successful in achieving our goals and whether there are learnings to be shared with the broader audience at Miro so other teams can also learn from those learnings. So how, what's the frequency of the product alignment meeting uh, for your teams? Yeah, so product alignment meeting, we have sort of placeholder uh, in our calendar weekly at Miro. And that's simply because we have enough demand every week because we have a lot of product team. There's enough demand for it to, to have enough topics basically to cover every week. And of course, 
some weeks we have no topic, we cancel the meeting. Some weeks we might have just one topic, so half an hour would be enough. Sometimes we might go beyond the one hour place folder that we have. So we just try to adjust the invite one week in advance so all the audience know what's the plan for this week's uh, product alignment meeting. Makes sense. And Are engineering involved at all in any of these sessions? Yes. So the basically the team which is presenting, the team which is working on this specific uh, PAD uh, is going to be present in the meeting. And mm -hmm. beyond that, the audience which are invited in product alignment meeting are all the PMs within the organization uh, as optional attendees. So they are not required to be in the meetings, but they are more than welcome to come because it's sort of a panel where you can learn from others. It's, it's like basically a meetup where you go there, you see what other challenges other PMs are facing, what type of approaches those teams are taking to solve them. So it's like a free training for the whole organization is to, to train their product management and product uh, development muscle. Uh, we have also required attendees and the required attendees are the teams that somehow have some relation to this PAD. It can be our dependency on them that needs to be resolved to realize this PAD or the other way around this uh, PAD would uh, has some other team might have dependency on this PAD. And from engineering perspective, back, back to your question, besides the team which is presenting this, there's also engineering leadership of that specific product area which is involved. And also we have our CTO uh, which is attending this meeting. We also have our CPO there. So previously it was our CEO. Our CEO is still attending most of this session, which is very interesting. And in my opinion, this is the best thing that a CEO can do, at least for an organization of our size, because you're almost getting too big for the CEOs and leadership to know about the, the product uh, opportunities and problems and also the solution that we are taking to solve them. And without having such a panel where you could get this information and see what are the problems that the PMs are working on and what's, what are the approaches that they are taking in solving them and providing them with a proactive feedback, it would be almost impossible uh, to stay on top of things. Mm. And given that Miro is quite bottom up, so we don't uh, we don't have like strategies coming bottom, uh, top uh, basically down. top down to tell that now you should work on this. Now you have to work on that. So this is a way for them to stay in the loop why we are taking certain direction and where the product is heading, and they can provide their feedback both from engineering and product perspective. Yeah, definitely. You reduce drastically the amount of reporting that you have to do upwards. Uh, which is, uh, you know, a time waster, to be honest, for everyone. If just the CEO can attend a one-hour meeting every week and just get this whole visibility about, you know, the product's direction, what, what's going on, what's happening on, on all of the fronts. That's really awesome, Farboud. Is there anything else you want to mention about the product alignment framework? Not necessarily. If, if you would like, I could touch upon the fields in each section or I could share the link and the audience can go through each to see what type of fields are involved in every section. Definitely. I will drop a link for this framework in the description below. So for anyone who's interested or whether you want to apply this framework in your organization or you just want to skim through it to see what's up, uh, the link is going to be in the description. Feel free to go through it and leave your comments for Farbud uh, in, in the comments section below. Farbud, this has been really awesome so far. And my last question for you is, 
Um, what is your advice for software engineers who aspire to become product managers? Uh, is there a specific path that you would recommend for them? Maybe some courses, books to read, or some certification? Yeah, that's a very good question. And uh, that's also a difficult question. And I'll tell you why, because the, the difficulty about uh, breaking into product management is a lot of companies require experience in product management uh, for the roles that they hire. So the number of companies that they hire uh, junior or maybe entry level uh, PMs are very low. Uh, there are only a couple of uh, tech companies where they have APM program, which is the associate product management program, where they hire uh, fresh graduates, they put them into a two year rotational program, and after that, they become PM. Uh, in the same company. Uh, but besides that, there are not a lot of entry uh, opportunities on the market. So on one hand, the companies demand having experience uh, to hire you. On the other hand, if you don't have, if you don't get the opportunity to gain the experience, how you can break into the field. So you have this chicken and egg problem. Uh, in that sense, uh, there are basically two things that you have to do to break into PM positions. One is the gaining the theoretical knowledge. And that can be done through courses, uh, online articles, conferences, even boot camps that you can attend to just increase your knowledge about uh, uh, how to craft a strategy, how to craft vision, how to, for instance, do prioritization, decision-making frameworks. Like there are tons of things that would help you as a sort of toolkit or basic product management ideas that you can use uh, in your day-to-day -day basis. And next to that, you need to gain that experience. And for that, I would strongly recommend engineers to look opportunities within their own companies, within their own teams. Uh, it's really hard to switch career and switch job at the same time, uh, switch company at the same time. So in that sense, I would recommend for engineers who wants to break into product management to discuss this with their managers, also with their companies. They say that I have this passion to move toward this role at some point. And then they start looking for opportunities to shadow other PMs. It can be in their own teams. Uh, for instance, when the PM is crafting a strategy or generating insight for the product, then this engineer also be part of those activities. And, uh, and look for opportunities to, to become the PM. So if there is a new product line coming in the company or if there is a new product area that needs a PM, which is maybe a smaller product, that can be done by someone who doesn't have necessarily long years of experience. This engineer can stand up and say, hey, maybe I want to take on that. Or there were cases that the, the PM leaves the company and then the company, someone from the teams who has passion for this becomes the PM for the team. But of course, you need to be prepared for it. You need to at least have the theoretical part covered and you need to have some base in place. Definitely. Farboud, this is a, a great point for us to uh, stop uh, this fireside chat. Thank you very much for your time and all of the amazing insights you shared with us Thank today. You. Thank you as well. It was very fun too.